a special episode of James Bond and Friends. James Bond is on assignment again. This time he's in Jamaica, so I'm your fill-in host, James Page from MI6. And today we are going to be discussing the big reveal event that took place this morning uh, in Jamaica. And with me today, I have David Lee, Bill Koenig, Ben Williams, and Mark O'Connell. Please introduce yourself, guys. Hi there. This is David Lee. I run the James Bond dossier website. And I'm Bill Koenig. I run the Spy Command uh, website, which is hmsswebblog.wordpress.com. And I also have another website, the Bond 25 Timeline, which I thought I might be stopping today because I thought there'd be a title, but there isn't. So it will soldier on. Hi, and I'm Mark O'Connell, bullet catching writer and author of Catching Bullets, Memoirs of a Bond fan, and I'm Zorin Industries' newest intern. Uh, hi, I'm Ben Williams, and I'm a regular contributor to MI6HQ.com and the magazine MI6 uh, Confidential. That's me. All right, guys. So I'm assuming we were all tuned in this morning to YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter, um, which was a nice surprise after initially we thought it would just be on Good Morning America. Um, uh, different time zones around the world. I personally was up at 4.30 in the morning, which is great. Um, and by the looks of the faces of the cast and crew in Jamaica, they were up pretty early too um, to get this to get this done in time for the UK uh, news deadlines. So initially, um, just kind of going around the houses, what were all of your kind of first thoughts about how it went, perhaps in comparison to past launches and, and your general feelings about how the event went? <laughs> Well, for me, I think I like the ambition of it because they would they were trying to do something that uh, they hadn't done before, which is put on a, a whole show. And you know, so they had the presenter and they had um, you know some some clips of Jamaica and all that kind of stuff. Um, the only thing is, I, I don't think they quite pulled it off. And um, with some of the answers, um, for example, given by the, the the cast, they they were a bit flat. They didn't have anything prepared. And uh, so it kind of uh, it stumbled at that point. It um, it reminded me of media days at an auto show, and these are the days before the show opens, and it's only the journalists running around. And these presentations, there's you know it's scripted banter, and it, very few executives can really pull it off. And so they'll say, you know, particularly when there's two of them, and they have what is supposed to be a free-flowing conversation and it isn't um like one of the the banter things at one point daniel craig pleaded poverty oh i couldn't afford a Aston martin db5 and it's like well i think he could but um and you could say it's a joke but it, it there was just a little much of that and i, I know we're going to talk about a misstatement michael wilson made about when they had titles um versus when they had press conferences. But anyway, it was just, a, it sounded like it needed a little more polish. Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's definitely the case. Um, there was even, even just the way in which, uh, the, the crane camera came in on the presents just seems a little bit, um, 
like it was going to knock her down at some point. Um, the, the, the boomer Prater was a little wobbly on that one. Yeah, it was just like, where are you, where are you going with that, dude? Are you gonna, are you gonna come like into the center of that? You're gonna just keep it completely right to frame. Um, but it was, yeah, I just, it was innovative. It was different, but it also felt like a little bit like they weren't really doing a press announcement. It didn't feel like very inclusive. What they were trying to do, in effect, was kind of go around the press. Now, there were some journalists down there who did interviews after the event, but it was not a press conference. I've seen some fans refer to it as that, but it really wasn't. It was part, you know, some of it was um, things that they had edited together, like that montage of clips from the Daniel Craig era of Bond. Um, There was uh, the host. It was obviously a pre-taped segment of her out on the beach. Um, so yeah, I mean, there it was. They were definitely changing it up, but it was not a press conference per se. Mm, I I I'm, I'm, I had perhaps a tiny bit of a different reaction, but the, my first thought was that the the whole Sony leaks thing with Spectre a few years back, I think, really stung Eon and it stung Bond and it stung the studios. And there's this very understandable reticence to sort of impart any information or go there. Some people are. Uh, sort of reading into it as there's no script, they're still working on it. Well, they will still be working on it because they always are still working on it. Um, and there was a sort of first day at school vibe, but uh, it was possibly quite, you know, it was quite an elaborate um, production to do. Bearing in mind uh, a lot of every, a lot of the cast and uh, crew members got in only a day or two ago, so that there was a bit of that. But I, you know, I'm a I'm a Vesper is half full kind of guy, and um, Pat, you know. A press conference or a press call like this, whether, like Bill says, whether it was, you know, a press call in that way is, is, um, we can argue or debate that to the, uh, to the, uh, whatever the Jamaican cows come home. But I, I still love and value and rate the old school gesture of a press call. Um, uh, it's, it, it could have had more pizzazz. It could have had more snap to it. But I, I think I had no problems with most of it, you know, seriously. I think the the audio guy who's probably getting fired yeah. um, might disagree with you, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, prof- <laughs> professionally, professionally, I've done a bunch of these, you know, for other stuff, and they did a very kind of ambitious live production yeah. with you know multiple cameras and boom poles and change and changes of location while they're running VT and stuff. You need to have done that for a while to be good at it, and they would have been far better off just having a lock shot, a table, and just doing a. Q&A. They would have looked way more professional. So, you know, kudos for trying to push the envelope, but it is quite clear to anybody who works in production. They they never even, I don't think they even did a run through prior to going live, um, probably due to the time difference. I mean, I think they were they were probably getting ready at seven o'clock in the morning local as well. So, um, And also the whole infrastructure, you know, it's, it is Jamaica. It's, a, it's an island, perhaps a little bit off the beaten track. I'm not, I'm sure there's Wi-Fi and, and uh, plug sockets, but it's, you know, it's a different thing and they've, they've been there a while though they've been there setting up and filming and they're building this house so I, I, I feel that's going to be a permanent eon thing actually um so i think uh, maybe if they'd given a title as well and possibly if we'll get onto that that might have appeased some people and just put put a bit more of a distraction on it yeah, I, I think i think sorry no i, I was just going to say that um i, I think it, these days, when there are a lot of people doing good stuff on YouTube, uh, it's it it kind of jars when they try and uh, do something on YouTube which isn't up to the same standard as amateurs. Right. 
Absolutely. Well, and, and five Absolutely. years ago, they did kind of a mini version of this, but it was done at Pinewood. Um, you had a host, and then Mendez was kind. Sam Mendez was kind of the master of ceremonies. Um, he, you know, it was a more controlled situation than doing it. You know, in Jamaica, as Mark mentions. Um, so, like I said, they were trying to step up the presentation. You know, it's in the eye of the beholder. You know how much polish there was. Yeah. I, I, I did like the fact that they did it at GoldenEye, and I, I, I'm not sure if it was in the press release that they, there's, um, there's a there's a there's a. Uh, sentence just says they're not planning on shooting at GoldenEye and uh, that was a, a great moment for me. That may have been a response to our critique a few weeks ago about the idea of doing yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a touch, in, uh, it was the right touch and without going overboard with GoldenEye. I was about to say there was something else, this is separate from the presentation. While they were doing the presentation, the uh, official 007 Twitter feed was sending out tweets more, you know, more or less matching what was going on at the presentation. And during the presentation, they said, and this is a small point, but in the presentation, they said the writers were Purvis and Wade, Scott Burns, and Phoebe. Sorry, I'm drawing a, drawing a blank on your last name. Yeah. But then in the press release that some of you guys got, um, they said Purvis and Wade, Scott Burns, with Carrie Fukunaga and her. And I was like, that struck me as sort of odd that, you know, this is me being pedantic, I'll admit, but it, it kind of makes me wonder if the uh, final writing credit hasn't been nailed down and will be decided in a WGA arbitration. But Yeah, uh, when I read that, Bill, like, it really it really stood out to me. And I, I was thinking, did I miss here in the uh, – when they were talking about that? Because I don't remember his name being mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. You, you did not, and I also saw the tweet, and um, – so then I saw late you, in fact, David, it was your site that posted the release and I had a chance to read it. And then I saw that. I thought that's kind of odd that it's, you know, the two are a little bit at variance with one another. Um, by the way, I, I actually did a little research on the Guild's writing site. Um, basically, basically anybody who's involved with the film from a writing standpoint can request an arbitration if they want. And it's virtually automatic if the, you know, the production requests three writers and with the what was stated at the presentation that would be three in the sense that it's Purvis and Wade they're a writing team so they count as one you know Burns and 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 her and so that you know that's technically three under the WGA but doing it the way the press release stated okay I I, I don't think the guild would go for that they they get very prickly about you know writing credits yeah, I think it's worth remembering that Fukunaga does write or co-write a lot of his stuff, so he's wanting to put some fingerprints on this, especially as time was of a certain essence and different fingerprints were on the script. And I feel, I think it's important to bear in mind that a press release is a press release. It's not strictly the full creditation for opening titles and closing titles. But I, I get the uh, the writers, particularly in the US, are quite hot on that um i just was very 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 pleased to see phoebe Wallerbridge get name checked and become part of the bond uh, canon in that respect yeah your your big prediction from uh, many many episodes ago well if you can call it eight episodes many yeah well it was yeah it was, it was kind of easy to second guess if 
uh, yeah, um, I, I, I'm glad it was confirmed because I think she's a, a real physical. Uh, you know, a lot of people have had this Me Too panic. I'm sure you guys talked about it recently, but this whole thing of I don't know why, just because she's a female writer, that she'll suddenly bring some Me Too essence into it. Because I think that'll be the one thing, uh, particularly as Barbara's very hot on that in a realistic production industry sense of the word. I don't think it would be something that a Bond film will mock or even go go with. Um, and I, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is such an amazing like Fleabag, Killing Eve, there's a real economy and a punch and she gets the point of a scene in a way that very, very few writers do at the moment. So the fact she's involved with uh, Bond 25 is, I think, is a real privilege for the production. I quite agree with Mark on that. Yeah, absolutely. So it's very much... Cool. Also, <laughs> second what Mark just said, um, you know, the playlist broke the story about Scott Z. Burns doing a rewrite. And I guess it was the mail on Sunday broke the Phoebe story. And but in both cases, neither one was content with a legitimate scoop. They then had to like read all sorts of things into it. The playlist made it sound like the thing was going to be virtually written by Scott Burns and he'd have the lead position on the screenplay credit. And then the mail on Sunday brought in all that Me Too stuff. Well, they will because that's their thing. Right, right. And, and I understand, Mark, what you're about to say. It's, it's, that's the mail, and it's a, it's a tabloid, and that's what they do. Um, you know, just speaking as a professional journalist, like you, if you have a scoop, you know, just take it and run with it. Don't make it into don't, – don't speculate the hell out of it. That's, that's all I mean. But this, is, this is the British tabloid press. This is exactly what they do. There hasn't been a single time we've ever had a, a press release that hasn't had uh, a wealth of tabloid speculation around it. Ever, ever has it thus been? And yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the one of the big problems with uh, with leaks from all all these films is, is generally that they pad it with so much bullshit that uh, you know it, it's difficult to sometimes know whether there is a grain of truth at the centre of it or not. You've got to, uh, uh, or to continue the metaphor, you've got to get your hands pretty dirty to find out. Well, I think the worst offenders, I know we're going off track here, but the worst offenders is actually the Italian media because the Italian media will actually have a genuine piece of information like dates, locations, where things are going to get filmed. And oh, by the way, Monica Bellucci's daughter is going to be in it and such and such is going to be singing it and they're going to film the music video. It's like, what a load of shit. Just mm. <laughs> stick to the actual story. But I mm. guess you have to fill a certain word count. But the fever that some fans, you know, it's like and there's been a few, uh, I would say, more veteran fans that should be used to this tabloid hoopla it's been going on long enough and uh the, the, the amount of fans that have just really panicked and gone with it and i've had comments on posts going oh do we really need a me too thing from that that lady writer and i don't know if anyone's watched fleabag or uh, killing eve but there's not one iota of me too about it that's missing the point of it um and they're, t they're two great shows that everyone needs to see regardless of bond yeah it it, it, it constantly surprises me at uh, how people are prepared to take the tabloids at face value um why people can't see that they uh, just mm. propagate uh nonsense mm. all the time i really don't know i mean the bulk of her writing predates all of that and you know, it stands stands on its own. Yes. So there's no reason why yeah. it, why it should even even be an issue. Mm. Mm. And it's the first time as well Barbara's brought in a, a, a female writer um, who, who who she's you know nurtured and noticed because Barbara's 
her non-bond work is often supporting and underpinning lots of uh, uh, female storytellers. So, um, again, that's a good thing for this film. Well, I, I think it can only be a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. All right, I'm going to drag us back to the the fact <laughs> the release thing. So, um, right. <laughs> when when it started, you know, um, I had a mental image of Alan Partridge just jumping up and down. Stop getting Bond wrong. When Michael G. Wilson said, "Well, we don't have titles for these films when we announce them," and it's like, "Yeah, you do for Casino Royale, for Quantum Solace, for Skyfall." And for Spectre. So pretty much you know, like the whole of the Daniel Craig tenure has had titles except for this one, which, you know, echoes Pierce Brosnan's run because his last outing didn't have a title either. So we have to go all the way back to 2002 to where we'd had a press conference for that title. So that, yeah, yeah. again, he was going to be asked that question. They knew they were going to ask it. Might have had something prepared other than something that's totally wrong. Yeah, well, maybe they did prepare it. It's just his memory's so bad now uh, he couldn't remember what they'd prepared for him. I mean, I, I, touching on what Mark said earlier about the, the Sony leaks, uh, but it also reminded me of the fact that Baz, from uh, who we all know very well, uh, famously uh, leaked the title for Quantum of Solace uh, pretty early. Um, and, and so the, when, they, when they did the reveal for that, um, I think even at the press conference they were um, rolling their eyes a little bit because everyone had already uh, already knew what the title was. And, and subsequently, um, for for Skyfall and for Spectre, yes, they still released the the title at the conference, but it was it, it you know there was there was that feeling of uh, a lot more sort of uh, carefulness around it and security around it. Mm. Um, and certainly in light of the the, the leaks that came out for Sony. Um, I can understand why that they are they're, they're particularly uh, reticent to, to announce anything, and probably don't have anything. Mm. I mean, yeah, yeah. if we look at Star Wars, I mean, Star Wars is actually quite an interesting. You know, we didn't have a title for Episode Nine until the first teaser trailer. And in this day and age, all right, maybe some Star Wars fans and production people picked up on it, but I, you know, I. I keep an eye on the Star Wars world as, as well, and I didn't see that title coming. And I res- I really respect the fact that Eon of yeah, and the whole system have kept the, these cards very, very close to their chest, including you know the casting of some key actresses who you know may or may not be Bond women. Um, a few elites, but there's a whole coy, curious cast there that went completely under the radar, and that. That's always what I, I personally try and remind people that, that you know the, the cogs and the uh, creativity is always spinning at the House of Bonds. Um, just don't believe every little thing that happens in the Daily Mail or yeah. online. Well, I think you know it, Baz. Baz at the Daily Mail has had a very good track record during the Craig era, and I suspect the reason why he has had no scoops on this film, or very few, is because the people who are feeding them the info are no longer part of the production. There's a there's a good chunk of the regular peeps that hang around that aren't on this film, and so I think his sources dried up. Which, Maybe he, yeah. he might end up in a massive dumpster somewhere. That's, that's where it's going. <laughs> yeah, Baz, Baz, Baz. Was it just your cover name? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I was about to say, as a hazard of a journalist, if you're not constantly replenishing your sources, you run the risk of, of something like that happening. Because I know a couple guys in the Detroit automotive world who – they had these great sources, but over time they they got old and retired, or in one case died. And 
you know, and they didn't have new sources to replace them. And they eventually, you know, stopped having exclusives. So. I don't think Baz is losing any sleep over this stuff. <laughs> you know, I can't, I can't see him too worried about it. Um, well, also, Baz has a, a broader portfolio than he did, say, seven or eight years ago. He he has this big column that's every week, and he and he covers more than just Bond. He covers quite a bit of the whole British show business scene. Yeah. So he, he you know he he doesn't lack for things to do. Mm. Bond's losses yeah, no, strictly come dancing's uh, gain, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. So um, as well as the title, the other thing that I, I don't know if anybody else or you guys picked up on this, the other thing that was missing from the announcements was the characters' names. I can't remember the last time that a cast was announced without saying who they were playing. Yeah, I was really surprised at yeah. that too. Um, the there's a, there's a story here in the U.S. It's, it's a website story, but it's from CBS, and they're just asserting that Rami Malek's going to play Dr. No. And it doesn't say sources said or anything. It's just stated, you know, the same way you would say the sun rises in the east. It just it just says it. And someone flagged that to me about an hour ago, and I looked at it, and it was like they just said that threw up flags for me. But who knows? Well, maybe it comes from the interview he did earlier today because uh, I think he mentioned Doctor No in that, didn't he? Yeah, he said he it was, he said he it was his, yeah. his inspiration. I, I have I have pretty good information. Um, that uh, Daniel Craig will be playing James Bond. Um, yeah, and the rest, that, that, yeah. the rest are actually the Oberhauser family. They're all in it. <laughs> They're all his yeah. his step siblings. It's going to be like sound uh, of music. Cousins. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and another thing that happened, it was like in the early morning hours U.S. time. The same guy who broke the story about Scott Z. Burns, and he only said in a tweet. He didn't do it in a story. He said. Waltz is going to be back as Blofeld, and they might announce it today unless the script has drastically changed. Now, my guess is his source is probably Scott Burns, because that writer acts as if he's Burns' agent or publicist, because the way, whenever he writes about him, it's like very, um, it doesn't seem like, he's, he always seems to get very excited about Scott Burns. So so that's out there. and But I noticed, you know, of course, it didn't come up in, We'll see. We'll see. Well, no, that's if, true. But I have seen a lot of, I have seen a lot of tweets that have suggested that he is back. Yeah, and it, and um, it, and, and, it would just, it would just be really awkward if they had say, and Christopher Walsh is joining us, but he won't be playing Bofeld. Right. Yeah. He'll, he'll be, <laughs> he'll be playing the, the twin brother of Blofeld. Well, it, it, it uh, was like, I mean, I'm showing my age now. It was like when Godfather Two came out, there was like no word that James Conn was going to have a cameo, and it was a, in a flashback, but. You know, there he was. It's like I mean, I saw it the first day. You know, it was in the theater, and you know, I, I it it got my attention when I saw. Um, I said, "Did I say Scott Con? I meant to say James Con." But like, you know, it, it, that was something that they had kept under wraps, as far as I know, pretty well. So, if Waltz is coming back, they're certainly not going to admit it. <laughs> Probably until it's in the theater. Well. I think I said it in a in a previous episode. It'll be like in the Force Awakens, and uh, it'll be Luke Skywalker's in the last thirty seconds or something of the film, and it'll be like that. Just Blofeld, he'll just appear for the la- for a few moments at the end, laughing manically. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I have a feeling. I have a feeling Christoph Waltz won't be 
playing Blofeld in this film. Um, I I think there was so there was a lack of perhaps oomph about his performance and I I just feel he might not be in this one although I do like that idea of, of the sort of end end beat motif of uh, Blofeld just being around but I, I think you've, you've cast Rami Malek and he's a real next generation Oscar winning Freddie Mercury god at the moment for the box office and he's a real face your, your man on the street who don't go to the movies much recognise and I don't think they're going to dilute that away at all I think they're they're going to run with Malik. There'll be no absence of Malik in this film. Oh, absence of Malik. Very, very good. Did you wait? Did you write that? Like, and wait that? Not, wait for that one to come out? Not recently. Yes, but yes, no, but yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's. It, I think he's going to be the sub-editor of all of James's pain. The, That's, the, the proofreader. <laughs> the proofreader of all your pain, James. Yeah. Uh, that's that's what I think it's going to be. Uh, no, I can't see. I can't see what's coming back personally. I think, um, and I don't. You please feel free to edit this out when I say this. But uh, at interview um, for Spectre, he didn't seem that excited to be in the film in the first place. So um, yeah, he was. He was. A, he was a difficult um, subject. He, he hasn't said anything um, positive after the film. No, at all. <laughs> he didn't say much. No, but bear in mind, right. I played Mr. White. He had some interesting things to say after Quantum, but then a few years later, there True. he was back. So people changed their minds. I say I'm not. But, but, but if if it's the if it's what, what I'm thinking about, Bill, though, uh, he went and said something along the lines of, "Oh, you know, I was just doing that shit," and I, I think the, the the comments were taken out out of context uh, because he, he, it was clear if you if you read what he said, he he was just joking to uh, you know to a bunch of was he is he Danish or whatever actors, and uh, um, he, I, I don't think he meant it. And it's just, you know, when this kind of stuff gets reported online, it, it, it loses the context and it sounds far harsher than it actually was. You should never, you should never say anything to journalists. Well, I'll speak up for the journalists here uh, since, since I, since I still am, I guess, but uh, you know, it's, but you're right. There's, you know, there's the quality of journalism varies widely. I would be the first to acknowledge that. Especially in entertainment, I was I was no way disparaging journalism, considering it's it's also what I do. But uh. <laughs> no, no, I've been, but 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 seriously, you know, the entertainment sector of, of journalism it really varies widely. There there are some portions of it where they like they live and die on access, and they just I don't know if some of them could like report their way out of a paper bag. Um, but I mean, but there are some who are extremely good so i don't want to paint too broad a brush but i know there's somewhere it's like the whole thing is like we've got to get photos of star xyz and you know that's all they're into so yeah, yeah and let's not forget you know that the journalist at timeout sat on that daniel craig slash my wrist quote for months and then i popped you it know, out I just bet, before you know what, I, my theory on that though is i bet it was embargoed they had the interview in july like he'd been, he, they'd finished filming like two days before or whatever. And I'll bet that interview was embargoed because I think there was another interview that showed up around the same time as Time Out. I'm, my guess is that 
To get the interview, the journalists had to agree to an embargo. The embargo was it would come out shortly before you know, the movie came out. And the problem was there were those quotes. And, you know, and the thing is, Time Out didn't pl- they didn't emphasize those quotes. You know, Time Out presented in a Q&A format. It was like the 16th question. And, you know, it wasn't in their summary of the story. But then what happened was when other people then summarized the Time Out story, they glommed on to those quotes and they led with it. That's, that's what yeah, I Yeah, it's because you, you take that out of context and it's, it sounds terrible, and, but it, and it keeps coming back. It's, uh, it, was, uh, it was the worst thing possible. We, I sat at the, 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 the interview, the roundtable interview uh, for, for uh, Spectre with um, several other journalists, and it's basically all that they brought up time after time we're sitting in a room with daniel craig and all that they like four other people just go slash your wrist slash your wrist slash your wrist and it kind of just it it makes him a, a fairly hostile uh subject essentially at the end of the day um and and clearly the timeout interviewer was not so struck by the quote but i mean he did the interview and he knows the ebbs and flows and I know they did a summary at the beginning before they got into the Q and A, and I forget what he emphasized, but it wasn't it wasn't the slash my wrist quote. It was it was something else. Well, I think it's fair to say that there will be nothing taken out of context from this event because nobody really said anything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, that's, that's very true. The only thing that we're going to keep coming back to is Michael G. Wilson going. We never we never announced titles. Right. And that's, yeah. Uh, that's it. That's basically all I've got. Um, I, I did. I did find uh, uh, Malik's um, piece of camera very uh, quite unsettling, actually. Though it, I don't know how you guys feel. Have about you that. Have it's you seen the one he did for? I think it was an airline or something, where he's listing his favorite things, and he and he's just like a serial <laughs> killer. And they were that was supposed to be positive and uplifting. It was just frightening. I just watched him just going. I don't know if I should watch this. He he looks he looks pretty fucking deranged. Yeah, d- deranged was exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> and and he also did an interview on Good Morning America this morning after the um, the Eon event, and that was kind of odd too. It's it, I mean, you know he's he's one thing when he's in character, and then when he does these interviews, you know he kind of like has awkward pauses and. I guess that's just the way he is. It's, um, I mean, I thought he was brilliant in uh, playing Freddie Mercury. It was, I, I didn't see it until it was like on, you know, home video. But you know, absolutely brilliant, and and he's a great asset to the production. I I wouldn't argue with that for a second. But you know, when he does these does these you know talk show appearances and so forth, there's something. Maybe it's just his personality. I don't know. Yeah, I, I watched the interview. James James um, uh, said something about it on, on What's Up to Me, which is that uh, he one of his favorite Bond films is The Man with the Golden Gun. So I'm all behind right. him for that. I thought of you, David, when I heard that. I, you know, I, <laughs> I, I, I finally had a chance to see the whole interview like a couple of hours ago as we taped this. And it's like I heard that reference. And I was like, David should be pleased. Do you, do, you, do you remember the do you remember the stare off thing that they used to do? I can't remember what it was like. It was an animated thing with like the like a staring competition um, on one of the, I think it was like the Far Show or something like that. Uh, please correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but I would love to see a, a stare off between Malik and uh, Matthew Malik. Um, just 
just bug eyeing each other uh, across across the table, just like who can who can weird out the other one. And they could have lasers in their eyes as well. They, they, I think they already do. It's just I, I, I love this whole whole idea of these kind of like two super intense dudes just like staring like unblinkingly at each other. Um, anyway, that that'll get cut out. <laughs> just just uh, just. Uh, that's something that popped into my head. Yeah, don't count on it. <laughs> so any other thoughts, random thoughts about like the whole launch event itself before we pick into the bones of what we actually talked about? Uh, other than that it was just uncomfortable. Um, no, it was uh, – I mean, I've been I've, – I'm lucky enough to have been to, been to Goldeneye and I just know that the whole, the whole way that it was all set up um, – I was actually at Goldeneye when they put Wi-Fi into the Goldeneye uh, house. So I know that's been in there only for a couple of years. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the whole the whole thing just felt, I don't know, it just felt a little uncomfortable and a little bit weird. And, uh, yeah, anyway, that's, that's, my, that's my, <laughs> my thought. I've got, I've got a question for you, uh, Ben, though. When you stayed at, at Goldeneye, did you take your blue toweling onesie? I did, yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, I mean, uh, it, it got – the trouble was when I zipped it up, it got caught on my chest hair. Um, <laughs> and, that, and it just got – I couldn't do it, undo it again. Uh, so I had to wear that, that onesie for the duration of, of my stay. Uh, for fear of pulling out my uh, my rug, chest hair was okay with Connery. But, yeah, no, just no. I was I, I was channeling I was channeling Sean. Obviously, uh, if I if I was channeling Craig, I'd have just gone smooth and with and with the speedos. Uh, but I went the onesie. Yeah, sometimes you have to pick and choose on these things, guys. And like I went I went toweling, Terry toweling all the way. Way to go. I was going to say, speaking of uh, the feeling of um, of being uncomfortable watching that, Kerry Fukunaga not wearing any socks put me on edge. Channeling a bit of Sanchez. It's Daniel Craig's Daniel Craig's fucking shoes. Sorry, Daniel Craig's shoes put me on edge. No, um, I want those shoes, and I, I've I found out already what they yes, are. Some Converse Mark, chucks. Mark, yeah. there is nothing wrong with his shoes. Just don't wear them with a suit. No, no, that's right. why it works. I think that's what Remy. I, I don't know this, but Rami Malek, he's going to be like in some dandy suit with a cane and Converse trainers. They're going to sort of, you know, uh, what's the word? Silicon Valley is look up, I reckon. It's interesting, isn't it, that we're bringing up like the lack of socks because we had the Christoph Waltz lack of socks in uh, Spectre, and now we're following it through. Uh, Although it's 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 more uh, production rather than cast. It is Jamaica, and he could have been sat there with some. Yeah, yeah, flat uh, some uh, flip flops. It could have gone the other way. Were, were, were the Craig shoes? Was that like part of a product placement deal? Was it like may, maybe not for the film, but like a personal services contract with Converse? <laughs> yeah, yeah, possibly. Yeah, well, what, uh, I I showed I showed some uh, photos of the event to my other half earlier on, and she, uh, she said, "Why is it that everybody in that photo's got short legs?" It's like what. <laughs> And it was uh, it was uh, Michael G. Wilson on one end, Barbara Broccoli on the other, um, Daniel Craig somewhere in the middle, and uh, actresses galore uh, uh, on either side of him. And uh, uh, but 
she also I'll, I'll have you know that, that Daniel Craig, Craig is five feet eleven. So uh, don't don't be telling me that he's short. <laughs> no, he's short leg. Everyone has short legs. It was, was the thing, and I, I think it was the partly the way he was dressed because uh, the jacket uh, the jacket didn't hang right, and then he had those uh, bloody awful shoes. Yeah. No, I, yeah, five feet eleven, definitely a, a literal five feet eleven. Well, but, but but just as an aside, going back to when he was first cast, the New York Times had this story about it was about all the big changes going on with Bond. It wasn't you know not just the actor, but the whole change in the franchise. And it's like Amy Pascal of Sony at the end of the story claims, "Oh, he's just as tall as Sean Connery." He's like, "Why do you say this? This is like demonstrably untrue." And but that doesn't stop executives from saying it. So. Yeah, well, uh, I, I ha- yeah, so I, I did some work for uh, the guys that uh, um, made Sean Connery's original suits, um, and, I, and I can see I've seen the, the patterns for those things. He was a big guy. He was a comfortable six two and pretty broad. Um, and I don't know if you uh, did you guys ever go to the designing Double O Seven um, exhibition yes. uh, where they. Had the recreation of all of the uh, uh, the, the, the tuxedos, mm-hmm. etc., um, and, and they put them all onto mannequins. Like so, uh, so you had the uh, you had the you had the the, the Pierce Brosnan and the, and, the, and the Sean Connery mannequins, and then you had the uh, the Daniel Craig mannequin there as well. Um, yeah, five five foot eleven, sir, uh, is what he is. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> So bring it back to the reveal event once more. Sorry, dude. Whilst we're talking about appearances, the one thing that struck me yeah. looking at the casting, and it wasn't a complete picture because some people weren't there, but the people that weren't there, with the exception of Jeffrey Wright, kind of fit in this list as well. Everybody's a lot younger than Craig in this film. And yeah. it struck me yeah. that that's going to accentuate Craig's age a little bit in this film. Maybe from a storytelling perspective, that's what they want to do. If he's left the service, it's it's only it's only um, BB Dahl uh, kind of stuff, isn't it? You know, do you remember? Do you remember when when Roger was wearing his his chunky um, sweaters in uh, Help yeah, Me Out Here, Mark? Yeah, for your eyes. Thank you. <laughs> Um, so it's only it's only a few eyes only kind of situation where you, where you were basically going, well, this this is going to be his last film because we're still uh, you know uh, working with the contracts, so we're just going to make it out like this is his last one. Um, but yeah, you, you, it's no problem having a bit of contrast in age. I don't think. I don't, I don't um, think. I don't feel that. If anything, it's because there's a younger director and he's got eyes on new talent. Uh, you know, uh, Billy Magnuson's worked with um, Fukunaga quite a lot. Uh, so, I, I, and also, we, you know, times move on. These films need to attract younger audiences. And the whole Malik casting, who, and incidentally, he's not. A few people said, "Oh, he's the youngest Bond villain." Is that a problem? No, and I not. said, "No, because he's not the youngest Bond villain. He's already older than Sean Bean, Yafat Koto, and possibly Robert Darby." I need to triple check that. Um, and I, I think they they need to get the, the fandom. You know, a little fresher as well. It's not just uh, the film itself; it's the the reach of that film. Where will it be? Are you saying we're all old gits? No, not at all. No, no, no. That's that's exactly (laughs) what he's saying. You know, that's exactly. I mean, Malik is not that much younger than Joseph Wiseman was during the filming of Doctor No. 
Yeah, and even uh, uh, the Anna de Armas, she's not you know as young as possibly she looks. Um, and I, 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 I honestly, just think I, that, I honestly thought she was like twenty, Mark, when I looked at her. She does and, look younger. And I look, and I look, and I look, how old is she? Well, I, I did a Wikipedia search, and and here's the, here's here's where it gets here's where it gets interesting. Another last Bond connection. She's exactly mm-hmm. the same age as Tanya Roberts was when she did a View to a Kill. That's great, but Roger Moore's not the same age that Daniel Craig was, so don't go there. As the you're, you're meant to- uh, sorry, Mark. I, I, I also wanted to say that I, I thought that Daniel Craig was look, looking okay. Uh, well, from a, a straight male yeah. perspective, anyway. Um, the, he in Inspector, I thought he looked a bit tired. Uh, I, d- I don't know if it's it's because he'd lost a bit of weight or he was carrying too much weight or what it was, but I, I think he's actually looking younger now than he was then. Well, and just going to James' point, um, there's this one video series I watched called Being James Bond, and he did a quick reaction thing, and he brought up the same point about the younger... He, he was reminded of Die Another Day in that, in that case, Brosnan was with a, a number of younger co-stars, including the villain, Um I mean, he didn't linger on it, but it was just an observation he made. So, so, so James's comment is not the first time today I've heard this. Well, I don't have many original thoughts, so I'm not surprised to hear that somebody beat me to the punch on that one. But, um... Well, I, don't, I mean, we've we've had a lot of Bond films where you've you've got disparate ages between cast members, and particularly with Bond, um, and and that. That's essentially because you've got a character who has to be spanning, let's say, uh, probably five to, to, to eight movies. Um, and you're, you, you're always going to have a, a cast who are, are going to be a little younger. Um, and I don't, I don't have a problem with that personally. Um, as long as their, as long as their roles seem to fit, I think, um, even when they when they brought in Monica Bellucci, who was um, a little older, it didn't seem to be um, didn't seem to not fit. Mm. Um, no, it helped. It also helped that it was Monica Bellucci. Yeah, Monica's uh, unbelievable. Although uh, Anna, <laughs> Anna de Armas has certainly set various uh, search engines alight. Even I was like, "Whoa, okay, hello." And then I realised she she was yeah. Joy from Blade Runner twenty forty nine. I was like, "Oh my god, that's." I was slightly obsessed by uh, her in that film. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I was I'm surprised to see that as well, actually, yeah. But to, but, to, but to piggyback on what Mark just said, I do think the franchise needs to uh, address, you know, needs to bring in some new blood fan-wise. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, like tw- like 20 years ago, when the world is not enough, I heard stories about how they were concerned. You know, because back then, Purvis and Wade were like the new young writers, and now, you know, now they're And not. Bond will go younger. You know, if, if and if and if we get a new Bond and we move forward after Daniel Craig, he will be younger, you know, and that will be the, the natural state of things. It's, it's, I think it's, it's life as well Bond, as entertainment. Bond will always get younger. Yeah, I haven't had a Bond younger than me yet, but I feel I'm at that point. It's a bit like Policeman and Blue Peter presenters. So, oh my God, they... Yeah, yeah I, I, I think the moment that... The moment that I turned 40, 44 and I went, oh, shit, um, I'm actually uh, the same age as uh, Roger was when, when he did Live and Let Die. I think that was my moment of going, oh, and, and Connery, <laughs> up near sort of Diamonds Are Forever-ish, no, almost. I, 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 hope I'm, I'm, I hope I'm holding myself a little bit better than that these days. But, Are you yeah. breathing in? 
I'm holding it in with my pink good, tie. Good. By the way, Ben, yeah. Ben, you get no sympathy for me. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I was gonna. I was also gonna say that um, Daniel Craig is the first Bond to be younger than me. So uh, I, I've been living it with it for a few years too. Same here. And we live in very different yeah. eras. You know, Daniel Craig's. What is he? Just uh, did a mass. He's 51 this year. Uh, you know, 51 year old guys, 51 year old movie stars are not like 51-year-old movie stars of 30, 40, 60 years ago. You know, times have moved on. If you look at a photo of a 19-year-old kid in the 50s in Britain, he looks about 50. So, time, you know, time's good, time's bad. Um, and I think they'll yeah. probably still get a topless moment from Daniel. I reckon he's got one more uh, sure. shower I, moment. I mean, he looks, he, looks, he looks fantastic. And um, I have to say that, you know, you look at you – look at, comparable actors um who who continued into in, into their 50s some people like uh uh Cary grant for example who 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 looked still looked fantastic in well into his 50s mm. uh, even, i don't even think even, i don't think we're gonna have any his last movie was in 1966 he would have been 62 and he looks in like pretty good shape then so but yeah i i honestly i honestly think um, Daniel's looking really good. I have to say, I, 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 you know, when we when you looked at the cast there, he didn't look like he wasn't um, holding his yeah. own. He looked, he looked like he felt right yeah. in that in that group of actors. Mm. Um, and and I don't have any issue. There were a couple of times, perhaps, and sorry, Mark, where you see Roger and you think, yeah, you know, maybe he's maybe he's got a couple more years on him that he than he really needs to be able to play this role um and there's that willing suspension of disbelief that comes with that but you don't have that with daniel you look at him and you think yeah he's an older guy but he's in great shape um and you can you can believe it and, and especially considering um that the well we started off at casino royale we said this is a new bond he's starting out here what we're getting in this film whatever it's called it's a bond that's uh, essentially in retirement, so he's not—he's not on Her Majesty's Secret Service at the moment. He is doing his own thing, and so there's nothing wrong with the idea that maybe he's a little older, and um, you know, maybe maybe he's not um, prime prime mm. Bond, but he's certainly still. And James the grey work. The grey works. The the sort of DB five little flex he's got in the hair—they work. I was about to say one of Daniel Craig's least convincing scenes in Skyfall was he's doing the pull-ups and he can't finish them and he collapses and like, okay, here's a guy with six pack abs and he's like supposedly been off however many months you know, he's been boozing and, you know, wherever that was supposed to be. It's like, guy looks in great shape. He doesn't look like he should be struggling, but that's, you know, that's. Yeah. Well, I think he'd been working, working out in some other ways whilst he was in Turkey, you know, that girl didn't. didn't. Right. Well, that's, yeah, that's the point, but he was still in all this great shape after all this. Yeah. Debauchery. yeah. It's all that Heineken and McCallum. He's yeah, that's right. I guess, I guess, I guess, uh, I guess uh, Heineken is like a really great, keeps you in shape. So. You just keep lifting that thing. You know, you keep doing those curls with that bottle of Heineken. You're... Do, you, do you think that's going to be in the new uh, Heineken ad then? Well, we talked enough. Sh- we talked enough shit about Heineken in the last podcast. We're not getting sponsored by them anyway. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you can say what you like. Uh, yeah, love. It. I'm sorry, James. 
Well, actually, you mentioned Heineken, Ben. That's interesting because Heineken deleted a tweet this morning about you know stand by for some exclusive reveal or something, and then they deleted it, and then a little bit later they reposted the announcement. So I thought they were gonna I thought they were gonna drop the new commercial because oh. they shot it like last summer, right, with Craig. Right. So who knows? Maybe that's tomorrow. Yeah, I, I saw that tweet. I hadn't, I hadn't realised that they'd uh, deleted it. I saw it. Something too. to talk about tomorrow. I love the fact that we're so like they're so social media savvy these days that they can they can really just sit there and go, oh god, we we really need to delete that. And um, yeah, everything is very smooth. Everything's very polished. <laughs> <laughs> well, Heineken got into trouble. I mean, I don't care. I'm going to say this anyway because the you know we disparage their beer anyway. Um, they got into trouble on Spectre because they released the shot of Craig in character way too early. They weren't allowed to do it when they dropped it by mistake. So, by mistake, by mistake, by, by, by mistake. mistake, because it, <laughs> it didn't it didn't mistake. get national and international magazine coverage at all. You know, no, no, just it was a complete slip. Uh, it's understandable. These things happen. Um, no, I look. I, you, you're probably going to find that, but. I, what I always find interesting is that you've got this incredible uh, property um, and you've got so many people who are involved in it and they're all trying to juggle it in, in the best way that they possibly can. Um, but it's not cohesive in any sense. Um, no, and then you have the, you've got the eternal conflict of the licensees who have paid money to be yeah. involved, who want to get as much out of it and as early as possible yeah. against the production company who don't want anybody to know about it until the trailer's out. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's exactly the situation. You, you've 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 got people who've invested quite heavily into this. Uh, so will will we see a Christoph Waltz Blofeld Bond Twenty Five Funko Pop release? Yeah, I think he's going to be bald in this this uh, this Funko release. Um, he's that's how I, that's how it gets you know, that's how it gets leaked. It's through Funko. That Pop. is actually Rami Malek's so, uh, Bond villain name is actually Funko Pop. It's uh, it's a sort of it's a slight Jamaican <laughs> catchphrase. That's that's Doc, Doctor Funko ah. Pop to you. <laughs> we love Funko Pops here. Yeah. I love Funko Pops too. Yeah. They're my favourite. <laughs> no, the, the Funko Pop thing we threw <laughs> have uh, put to bed. A little a little plastic bed. Hey, hey James, I had a quick question. Yeah. Mi six in one of your tweets today yeah. mentioned, um, I think something like less than twelve thousand yes. viewers on that live stream. Well, yes, wanted you talked about that. Yeah, I've been involved in a lot of other stuff in pop culture and film and TV over the years as a job, where we've done where the, you know the people involved have done live announcements and stuff, and got you know two, three, four hundred thousand people watching their product announcement real time. Um, some games companies and stuff like that. So to get less than 12,000 people watching YouTube when it's announced like was startling. And I actually kept checking like, oh, am I watching some feed that they didn't like some link that wasn't promoted or something and it's elsewhere? But no, on, on, twi- on, on Twitter, it didn't hit 10K. So yeah, what about on, on, on Facebook? It was equal. It was around the same. If you go, so guys, if you go onto Google right now and you just Google, um, you know, press announcement, what you're going to, you're not going to get 007.com as your first hit. You're not going to get it as your second hit. You're not even going to get it on the first page. 
Until you kiss my foot. So if you kiss, you come over here and you kiss my foot. Um, you don't get it. And it, well, I, had to, I had to go to the site because I, I have to say that not all of us get up at four o'clock in the morning to watch this, James. Um, but so I, I, I confess that I, I decided that I was going to watch it uh, post-fact. Um, but even when I did that, the the, the 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 video it takes two minutes. It's got a placeholder for two minutes before it goes into the to the actual footage. You should have watched it live then. <laughs> I mean, dude, it was. I mean, you, you the YouTube comments in real time were brutal. To be fair, absolutely brutal. <laughs> I mean, I, I've got to say, like, you don't hold. And and the audio was so bad. I mean, like I'm not I'm not I don't want to go too deeply into it, but it was just like I'm sitting there going, yeah. Well, am I am I just going to watch a placeholder? What's, what's going on? Have they actually got? Yeah, because they, they took they took five minutes or so before they actually get, got going, and uh, um, and I, I, I was a bit surprised. I rewatched it the, this afternoon, and I was a bit surprised that they, they've got the placeholder for for so long. There, uh, they they ought to trim that. Why don't why why don't they edit that down? Well, they, they trim they, that placeholder out. Previous five minutes or so out, so they could have uh, they could have uh, trimmed it with a bit more finesse. Like, yeah, like just go straight in to the actual thing that people want to watch, rather than like two minutes of going. Am I am I watching the right thing here? Anyway, I'm just I'm just saying. The top comment on the YouTube right now is uh, rumor has it Bond tracks down the sound guy for cocking this up. <laughs> <laughs> Did you leave that, James? <laughs> no, that was you know that was a guy called Mini Jeff, uh, but he was the top. But the, the comments were brutal all the way through. And if you scroll down, I'm surprised it even allowed comments on this kind of thing because comments on the comment, mean, comments. Not, on, that's not what you comment, do. Don't 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 welcome comments. No comments on the internet. Never usually a place to go digging for the truth. That does, that's not good. We, we all know the rules about comments. I, I understand that the guy that did the sound, his name was Carter. He used to be a work experience guy for uh, MI6. <laughs> Holster the bloody weapon, Carter. Well, his problem is he had his finger in his ear the whole time. That was it. <laughs> Stop touching your ear. Um, yeah, he, he, he rehabilitated himself after his uh, mongoose uh, bite and uh, and went into sound, sound design and not... And, let me take this a step further. So what do you think is, is there a broader significance to this, you know, low, you know, audience level? Um, yeah. I was thinking about this bill last night before I knew I had to get up at four o'clock in the morning that I wondered how many people who are in the core demographic for Bond, well, for Universal and MGM were staying off the internet today because Avengers Endgame's out and they don't want to get spoilers. Well, can I just say what a perfect time <laughs> to to do a to an announcement uh, on the day uh, that after twenty plus movies uh, of of a franchise, uh, this is the final instalment of that. You want that's the time that you want to release your uh, your, your press release. I think, mm, but Bond's, Bond's not Marvel though. I I get the uh, the fandom and the, the fever. Is it not? Is, no, of course is it, not. Is it of course not? not. Oh, okay. So. Uh, and um, I actually, there was always that weird thing when uh, the, was it Phantom Menace trailer when that hit cinemas, whatever films were on against it. Oh, it wasn't the trailer, it was actually the screening. 
or the films that are on against it did really, really, really well. And I actually personally, I'm not a big Marvel fan. It's hit and miss in most instances for me. But I actually think it wasn't bad timing because it's it's a bit of an antidote to that because I, I don't need uh, to read 30 million people saying how great the film is. And it might be. I am still seeing it. Yeah, I, I, I'll just say that I didn't go and see Endgame rather than than uh, uh, tune into into the press yeah. release. I'm, that, I'm not that wasn't my that. point, guys. My point was there's a lot of people, millions yes. in fact, who who basically said I'm not going to check social media today because I want to go and watch the Avengers Endgame movie tonight and not get spoilers. So they're not going to see any of this stuff right today at all. My one thought about Bond was versus Endgame is that Endgame had its premiere on Monday night. And so now it's like reviews coming out, but like the big push was Monday night. And they also had a big event last week where they had like all the stars. In fact, it was like an Eon style press conference where, you know, they had, I saw some video of it. Um, So in that sense, you know, now it's like the publicity is over and now people are just going to the theater. So in in that regard, I didn't think it was that bad having it today. I mean, it would have been bad having it on Monday or Tuesday, I think. But um, I don't know. But you might be onto something, James. And the fact that it's so uh, so soon after Easter, do you think that makes any difference? I think it's more the time. The time in the UK, most people are at work. In the US, most people are asleep or having breakfast. I mean, it was just not the best slot to shoot at but it's a good slot for the world's media that sort of time you can still file copy for the friday papers and also get in all the week the weekend features and um op-ed pieces as well there is a slight media uh oh yeah on that you know absolutely absolutely you know thursday afternoon is the cutoff for most of the press if you want to have it on the saturday Mm. papers right Mm. and having the friday nights but and and did did good morning britain run anything in the end today I didn't see anything. And when they were, they were loosey goosey about when they were going to put it out. They said Thursday and or Friday. I doubt they would have had anything this morning. So, so David Zaritsky said something interesting. Um, uh, earlier I was, I was uh, watching a live stream from, from him. Uh, David said something interesting, which is basically like the reason that some of the Q and A's were, um, decidedly short, shall we say, and, and, and some of the questions weren't great, uh, was that they had so many pre-booked slots for all of these other, um, yeah, these other, these other outlets. So they, 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 they had a couple of issues, uh, with audio and, and what have you that they, so they, they came in about five minutes late. Um, but also when they, they had to curtail a lot of this stuff because they had um, media outlets that needed to uh, to be appeased, and uh, you know they had to they had to find these uh, find timing for these things. Um, so I think that's a fair. Yeah, point. you're absolutely right, man. Because the satellite time was booked for all that that stuff. But um, my yeah. final complaint about it was, if you're hosting a live stream event and you're asking people to tweet questions, don't read them out from pre-printed cards. <laughs> Yeah, the jig the jig is up at that point, right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's a it's a, a two part issue. One bullshit. Two, you obviously prepared those the night before or something. Why not have the answers ran through with the people that are answering them beforehand, like a little bit of preparation? 
Yeah. Because the, the other the other thing is that um, in during the live stream, they actually mentioned that you could tweet questions to them, and so it sounded like you could do it while yeah, it, so was it was going total fabrication. on. It was total fabrication, but we knew that it was going to be total fabrication. My point is that none of those questions. I mean, when Daniel got asked about, I don't know, there were stupid fucking things like um, what's, stupid, his, what's his favorite stupid car? things. What's your favorite? Car? It's just like things like that where you just like. Oh, come on. Yeah, got, the, the, that, that, was a, that was an awful moment because the, um, the presenter uh, didn't know that the DB5 was the DB5. She thought it was a new Aston Martin. It's like, <laughs> come on. Uh, you could have picked somebody who knew something about uh, James Bond. She'd done, look, she'd done a, a good bit of research. She'd managed to pronounce everybody's names correctly, which I think, you know, hats off to her, and uh, she didn't fumble too hard on on the fact that uh, they hadn't had a run through. It it seemed to me, and she seemed to to, to do it pretty well, all things considered. But she did she did have the questions, so she could have imagined what the answers might be as well. Yeah, exactly. And also, if you're in broadcasting, you have what are called pronouncers in your script that tell yep. you what the pronunciation is. That that's not a terribly high bar no, to no. know the pronunciations. No, that's that's true. I'll, I'll grant you that, but um, uh, I, I will say that um, I just I just felt that a lot of the questions that that came through the net, so to speak, were were questions that were were really had no relevance to um, to, the, to the film, um, and the fact that Daniel seemed fairly surprised by a few of the questions that he was asked seems. A bit strange, you know. Um, yeah, they they should have they should have um, made it. They they had an opportunity to make it run a bit smoother, and they they really. Didn't. I'll give you I'll give you a counter example. When the Bond Fifty DVD box set was launched, I think it was at CES. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, one year they had like Michael Apted and stuff on a panel, um, and they did um, a live Twitter Q and A, and it was really good. And they actually took questions in real time, and there were actually follow-up questions. Um, yeah, doesn't take, I, remem- doesn't I take, remember that. Yeah, because you, you got you got a question answered, didn't you? Yes, I did. Yes, we did. And we got our twiddle ha- we got our twiddle handle mocked, you know. But um, but yeah, it doesn't take much to do that. But again, it's they they should have just hired a production company that knows how to do this stuff. How did they, how did they mock the twiddle? Well, they thought Was we that? created James Bond live just to ask a question in real time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, I remember I, I watched that live. Yeah. Sorry, I, I thought that was funny. Well, I, I think, and some people might say we're being overcritical because I know we get some reviews saying we're too negative. But um, Bond is known as this polished product, right? Very polished product, mm. and to come out with something that was kind of like a bit slapdash, not run through, no practice, technical issues. Nobody was prepared. That is what's going to be now the lingering look at Bond Twenty Five until the first teaser trailer comes out. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Some of the I remember the, the Pierce Brosnan unveiling in June ninety four. I remember that being just a little bit colloquial and um, well, I don't want to say cozy, but it was just a bit you know a bit local if that makes sense. And I remember the big scoop for the BBC was that Gloria Hannaford was going to interview Michael G. Wilson about the film uh, not long after the announcement. Um, they're awkward things because they don't have, they, despite, they, they have a structure because of, you know, the structure of the message. And yes, things can you know, be done quicker and 
uh, Zipia, but then had it been a two-minute stinger or uh, you know a logo with the final title reveal, people would be still clamouring for more information. Um, I think, yeah, uh, Gloria Hannaford is a, is a Bond girl. With, uh, she, well, she's still with us. She, she's actually, she was actually a real good supporter of Bond back in the day and cinema as well and had some amazing guests for a sort of cosy afternoon show. And I do. I remember Brosnan, because I was studying for my A-levels, and I remember the Brosnan uh, announcement came through. And I remember that was sort of stop-start and a bit awkward. It's sort of a, a byproduct of it. And I think right now it's all we've got. It's all Bond fans have got today's announcement and seeing the cast and getting some context but when maybe we get a teaser poster or a title or uh first trailer i think all of this is just going to dissipate away i I really do no you're not wrong mark you're not wrong at all because this is this has always been the case isn't it and and we look back um i i I think the first press conference uh, that i did was like what Quantum Solace or something like that. I can't can't remember now, but um, you get you get that first teaser, and then from that you you create a lot of speculation. But as as you drop in more information, all of that stuff kind of gets gets put to the wayside, and um, everyone concentrates on the on on the teasers as they drop in so i don't i don't think this is going to be something that people necessarily hold on to no i really don't think bond needs a lot of some people say oh, you know, why isn't bond ever making himself known at comic cons or those sort of events and I, I really don't want to see any bond beat being unveiled to the world at some hooping hollering uh you know anaheim convention center i'm quite glad that they did it quiet and bespoke with no audience. You know, they may have had some technical glitches, but the message was good. I think that's something that's getting a bit lost in the ravioli here. The message was good. This film's happening. That's quite good. And also it's got a good cast. I, I really like the premise of the story, which maybe, you know, we might talk about today or at future times. Yes. I think it's a really, I love the, the idea of a scientist, a, a kidnapped scientist. It's like, you know. Yeah, that, that, that hasn't been done since the 1960s. And no. uh, um, Michael, uh, Michael Caine's, uh, am I am I right in thinking that, that there was a Michael Caine film yep. with a caption? It was the Harry yeah, Palmer. It was the Harry Palmer. That, that, Harry Palmer that yeah. suddenly yeah. made me go, oh, that sounds a mic yeah. bit familiar. There's something, I don't know. I mean, I always we all slightly hope and we always think, this is going to be the one that really go back to the seventies, and we're going to go a bit wider and a bit broader, and we're going to have a cool uh, sort of retro Bob Peak type poster. And then it doesn't do that because guess what? We're actually in twenty twenty, so we can't do those things. Can but we I have a Bob Peak poster? I'd love that. That would, I mean, obviously we can't, but like that would that would be really nice. Bob well, Peak's- who knows? Who knows? I I don't know, but I would. I just I've I I know Daniel Craig's really hot on the whole how these films are marketed and presented, and. Um, at the end product, you know, the, bearing in mind these guys, and just, then and then and then you get a and then you get a committee of MGM and a Perna Universal who are just going to wash anything interesting out of it. Possibly. Yeah, there's that. Yeah, the, but I mean, the, yeah, that's that's more than likely. I mean, looking at um, just just how um, License to Kill was marketed, you know, uh, it, mm. it, it it shows that you can have a great you can have a great idea um, and run with that right until the to the, the last second and then go actually no we're going to scrap mm. that and just do something awful mm. and also the people that make up the box office for this movie are not us 
they're not the ones getting up in the middle of the night or in the morning to watch a uh, you know a telecast from Jamaica. They're the people that want to see the actors, the actresses, the fact that there is a bomb film coming. That's where you know that's where the the momentum of it is. These you know the, the press conference. I the people that went to see uh, Bohemian Rhapsody starring you know Mr. Mallet. I don't think they all went to see the film because the press conference announcing it was a big hit. That 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 doesn't. I know we're not equating oh. Bohemian Rhapsody and Bond films here. I'll, g- I'll give you the perfect one-liner, Mark, which wraps up that audience, which was when the whole MGM suing all the websites because the Dino of the Day script leaks came out. The MGM spokesman said, Halle Berry's in this one. That was their entire pitch. And I get your point. It's like people are going to forget all of this stuff and it's just going to be, oh, it's the it's the guy from Mr. Robot. Let's go and watch that. Yeah. All, uh, yeah. But I, I we put out a tweet yesterday which was kind of poking fun a bit of the fandom because we knew this is going to happen is where does this kind of event have to draw the line on the information they give out? Right. So we got no title and that was like, it was leaked to us beforehand that there wouldn't be one. So don't get disappointed, but you know, no characters names, but we did get a good plot synopsis and usually we don't get one of those. So we put out this tweet, you know, like here, here's the title synopsis, locations, the cast and the crew. And, and then the fan, and then, and then the, the fans would ask, well, who's the composer? Right. And I want to put a special shout out to Nick Millwood for being that guy who tweeted as that exact question. So he gets the little trophy, well, but there's never going to be an end to the information. Look, I they mean, want. You, can we, can we, but can we talk about, I mean, obviously this isn't a, this is a, a factor in, 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 in this, uh, Bond in retirement, um, with his, with his girlfriend, um, you know, all all he wants is to be left alone. It does. It has a certain resonance of another film that I've seen. I, I can't. Guys, can help me out in this one. Um, never say never again. <laughs> I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, no, Golden Eye, starring Charles Dance. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> it wasn't those films. Um, oddly, um, but I just thought. Are we are we really gonna do this? Are we really gonna gonna go down that Bourne road again and um, you know have have? Well, there's quite there's quite a few people on the crew with Bourne credentials as well. I, yeah, as as there ever have been since what Quantum of Solace, basically. Yeah, and you know, I just I I feel like. What was really interesting to me was at the end of Spectre, and and he drove off into the sunset. Everyone went. Well, the way that they would do this, and if you look at the forums, um, our, particularly our forums, obviously, because it's the best one, uh, but if you look at the chatter on that, that's always been, um, oh, yeah, what will happen is so we'll meet we'll meet Bond um, in retirement with Madeline, and it will be a revenge plot after she gets, um, you know, capped for, uh, for whatever reason. And it just, it just feels a little bit obvious. And I don't know, she might make it for the whole movie and I hope that would be a fantastic thing. Wouldn't that be great if she just ended up being the Bond girl for this movie as well? That'd be, that'd be awesome. But I, I just... Well, that's a good question. So who are the Bond girls of this movie? Because we got no cast characters. Uh, sorry, we got no character details at all about the casting. No, we, the only thing we got was basically Remy Malik volunteering the fact he's the villain. He, right. he hinted at that during the presentation and then made it clear... Stared down the lens and just went, I'm going to fuck him up. It, just, yeah, it, was just, <laughs> it was just like staring at him going, I'm going to make, make Bond's life very difficult. Ouch. And it's like. Well, and, and, and 
And the GMA host said, well, if you could summarize your character in one word, what would it be? Villainous. So it's like he was playing it very close to the vest. So are we feeling that he's not the captured scientist? Is that is that what we're, we're thinking here? Well, he's saying he's the villain, so I think he's the capturer rather than the captured. I I know. I'm just teasing. I, my money's on the scientist as one of the females, mm-hmm. the female cast members. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, uh, the, the um, I, I think it's the guy is Dali Ben Salo yeah. or something like that, um, who's French Algerian, uh, I think, and he um, he was competing in Thai boxing, so I think he's going to be French Algerian. Algerian. Did he did he give his girlfriend a love note? Did he? Uh... <laughs> uh, I think also there's going to be other casting, you know. Uh, announcements along the way and you know there could be a lot of other announcements along the way that we still haven't had a composer yet but uh there could even be another writer that's not me i don't know that but uh, you know it's not done and dusted yet it's still a it's a work well, i can't talk about way. i can't talk about my role if you know that i can't it would make sense I for don't. them to hire another writer just to be there during filming just to make adjustments as filming demands it i mean that's you know joshua zetmer was uh doing that task on quantum of solace there's you know the great story about oh daniel craig and mark forrester were like writing up as they went well maybe for a month or so but when the strike was over zetmer was there and it was and he was written about in all the stories that were done at the time of production he's just now the you know, he's now the forgotten man because it's not part of the narrative so anybody got anybody got any thoughts on the other cast members before we start talking uh, about Felix? You know uh, I've got one thought about Felix is like I hope he's not the sacrificial lamb. I hope he's not the new VJ. Or or like the, the or like Mathis in Quantum of Solace. The new Yeah, I, I, I was wondering um, that they didn't uh, they they provided um, um, bios of all the actors who were announced today, except for uh, for Jeffrey Wright, for some reason. So I, I'm wondering if his role is just going to be a cameo. Well, it's Felix. He always often is a cameo. Um, yeah, but uh, I mean, even a shadow of, of a cameo is it's just going to be a tiny, tiny role. No, maybe I- they'll that scene from the early scripts of Spectre where. Felix visits Money Penny and calls her a foxy lady. Ah, yeah, I forgot yeah. about that. Well, you never know. So, going on, I had a question. Yeah. What your guys' feeling was is why was Naomi Harris in Jamaica? That's a very good question. I I, I thought about that myself. Yeah. Uh, so I have to, I have two things on this. One is I hope to God that they don't fly Money Penny to meet to get Bond back in Jamaica and everything because the story synopsis says it's Felix Leiter that calls him back, right? Yeah. Not. Money penny, but we did joke about it on the previous podcast, which is you know these things tend to like fiction turns into life with these things, and we were joking about our oh, money penny flies out to flies out to Goldeneye to meet Bond in retirement. It's like we're about you know a few inches away from that. Yeah, right, now. right, we are. But the other part of it was I thought you know what she's really good doing interviews in front of camera, mm-hmm. like better than most of that cast. So if you want to yeah. send somebody out to be like the talisman for this franchise to do the media and do a really good job, she's, she is phenomenal at that compared to everybody else. That's why they had her do the Lego car. Um, you know, she was she was the person. Oh, and yep. she also yep. did the 007 Elements as well, didn't she? Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she did. And, and, but she's she's very comfortable doing that role, and um, in many ways, I, I feel like it 
it, it, it cements um, the fact that they've got returning cast. You know, whether, whether she's whether she her scenes are going to be there or not, um, it basically says, you know, when you when you don't have Ray Fiennes there, you don't have Ben Whishaw there. What you want, and you don't have Jeffrey Wright there. You 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 need to say some people are coming back. So so you, from that old guard, all you've got really there is is Daniel Craig. So you want to have somebody that, that creates that sense of continuity. And out of all of those people, mm. she handles that yeah. very very she well. Also, so she I also did that commercial for Sony that was shown in theaters where. I mean, she's essentially playing Money Penny, and I think she's like on a communicator with Bond or whatever it is. I mean, this is going back several years, but yes, I mean, yeah, she she handles. You're right, she handles that sort of thing very she's well. She's a, a very good global face as well. We, you know, she was she did Pirates of the Caribbean, she did uh, Mandela, uh, and she she got am I right? I think she got Oscar nominated for Moonlight, and she's she's one of those. You know, she's an English rose that straddles both sides of the Atlantic. <laughs> that sounds horrific, um, but, but I mean, I mean that in the in the, uh, in the this sort of sense of poise. And, the, and she's right. I've seen her. I've been with you, Ben, when we uh, Bond in Motion, where she mm. was there uh, beguiling the press and us. The and club, the clubhouse, call it by its proper name. The clubhouse, the clubhouse, absolutely. Uh, and she, yeah, she's good. She's she's and she she un, she underpins what. Bond is right now. You know that she's she's an English actress, but on a global scale, uh, she's recognisable. She's I dare say she's not white as well. So it's 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 a bit of a sort of it's a now uh, thing, and she's so good in that role as well. And well, um, when she was speaking does. today, uh, yeah. she said that her family's for, originally from Jamaica, and uh, so I, w- I was thinking that yeah. uh, maybe maybe she was also cheap because she's staying with relatives; they don't have to pay for a hotel. For <laughs> yeah, no, she's just with her auntie. Um, yeah, I really uh, that, that was the other thing too. Was on that little um, that little. Uh, VT that they did where uh, the host was like and here I am at Laughing Water um, you know it, it kind of made it out like that anyone could go there it's a private beach and it's kind of like it's really annoying to kind of think like oh right well you just, you just walk out there then that's fine um, but uh, that, that aspect of Jamaica being um, so part of um the Bond world, I think, is it's, it's an important part, and I think her connection to that mm. plays into mm-hmm. it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And there's, it, it makes sense that they're all there. It's it's the first first day at school. You know, they're going to be there. And also, if you're an actor and actress, regardless, you're in a Bond. That's good enough. But if you're if you're told, right, can you spare three days to go to Jamaica? I know you're not needed for two months. Is that all right? And actually, contractually, it's probably going to be all right because they're all signed up for the uh, the promo circuit. Which has started alongside the film. Jamaica is just a rubbish, rubbish place to go to. Um, I, I mean, I don't want to go back. Um, it, it was, it was just awful. Just hours and hours of sunshine and good food and nice people and wonderful locations. And uh, yeah, I, I can't really understand why they would choose to film but there. It looked like there was a baggage handler strike with those snaps of. Uh, Daniel Craig and Michael Wilson on the runway. Is is is, is that true? Oh, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, I think that was Stansted, dude. 
I think a lot of them. They, they actually did that photo at Pinewood. They did that in Jamaica at all. Yeah, it was in Jamaica. Um, yeah, definitely. I, I don't think you need to bag the chandles out there because basically you just, you, all you need is a pair of flip-flops. Um, it's, it's just... Or a pair of Converse lace-up trainers. Uh, it's all that you need. When you're With no training. socks. No socks um, at all. Uh, unfortunately, what was happening was they were in negotiation with uh, various uh, different socks manufacturers, um, and they hadn't they hadn't come to. Uh, oh yeah, because the there are those uh, so Aston Martin inspired no socks, socks uh, that have just been released, and uh, uh, they, 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 they didn't. Uh, <laughs> FedEx didn't get them out there in time. Weren't there in time? There was a whole thing. They got caught up in customs. And it's. Um, no socks, please. We're British. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Give him, give oh, him the gag James. of the podcast, Laurel. That's yeah, I like that. That's better than absence of Malik. I, I, yeah. yeah, absolutely. No, I, 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 I've got to say, absence of Malik was was no. really good, but it, but it did feel a little bit shooting. <laughs> Unlike the socks, <laughs> I think we really need a title, don't we? <laughs> So let's let's go talk about Felix Leiter because on the last mm. thing time we got uh, some of us got together we all agreed it would be great if he came back but we thought because we all agreed that it wasn't going to happen. Yeah, genuine right. Felix Leiter. Yes. Great. So yeah, the, the, I think this is one of the first times we've gone uh, wildly wrong with our predictions actually. Well, wildly positive and then it turned out to be true. Right. Mm-hmm. But I was I was thinking about this as we were just talking about the plot synopsis. Yeah, I was looking at the plot synopsis, and there's an interesting word in here, which is treacherous, because it anchors it around Felix and the CIA asking for help. And then the mission to rescue the kidnapped scientist turns out to be far more treacherous. Now, if you look at that, is that treachery, or is it just they've used it as a synonym for dangerous? Is Felix Leiter going to meet his demise or have his leg chewed off in this film? Oh, feed him to the sharks, yeah. Let's feed, let's feed him to the sharks. Feed him to the Well, sharks. the whole Jeffrey Wright um, thing, I mean, look, at, he's going to be the personification, him and possibly Billy Magnuson. They're going to be the, the embodiment of the American side. And that's, you know, if anyone can come in and maybe do a little slide dig about orange head despots in the Oval Office, it's going to be Jeffrey Wright. They're not going to go there. I've said this before. They're not going to, but they'll, they'll acknowledge that. No, they won't touch him up. They won't, no, no, they won't the same touch him No, no, but they the same won't. way they very cleverly, you know, I think, underestimate they got under under notice, but those, those Greg Beam, Felix Leiter scenes in Quantum of Solace, the, the dialogue and that that sense yeah. of America's role in the world, it was was bristling. It was a it was great stuff. There was, but I th- there, was a, there was a huge there was a huge backlash with Lash with that mark, and I actually think it was one. Oh, of it's the a great piece of dialogue, and I think that part heavily heavily. Yeah. Underrated, and that's for another. That's for another time. Yeah, I, 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 I do. But, I but do I think, too, but that's, yeah, that's, that's, we, let's we talk about Jeffrey that Wright bringing in a bit of that slightly, that slight ten percent embarrassment at his own, at his own homeland, and all of that. And then, yeah. and then, because I can already yeah. see a scene with Felix and Bond discussing the state of their of their homelands very loosely, and we all know where they're going. But you know, it doesn't have to put a label on it. I just want to see Jeffrey Wright. Jeffrey Wright looking like he's got a bee in his mouth. Like, why, why? Like, I mean, he's the CIA's best gambler, and yet he looks always just like he, he's the worst poker face of any any human being alive. <laughs> and, like, he, he just he just always looks a bit sour. 
uh, whatever situation. That's why he eats the peppers, I suppose. I wouldn't be surprised if Billy Magnuson double crosses Felix in some way. Yep. Oh, I yep. heard a great theory. Yep. It's, it's a theory that Billy Magnuson is playing Rami Malek's boyfriend. Now, that was possibly a, a friend yeah. of mine going off on a personal uh, mental tangent. But I, and I don't know that will happen, but... But I, I've always wondered. There's gonna, there's gonna be, some, there's gonna be some fan art either way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, sort of Winton kids kind of uh, reunion. I really can't wait, I and mean, we're not gonna see it, and maybe the film won't either. But I really want to be a fly on the wall or a uh, a. Uh, oh, just gonna do a no coward gag there. Firefly. Uh, over the house now. Um, but anyway, I want to be a, I want to be a firefly on the wall. Thank you. That. Firefly on the wall. And, um, no, I want to be there when Ben Bishaw uh, shares like a, a lunch break or a costume fitting with Rami Malek because Rami Malek replaced Ben Bishaw as Freddie Mercury. Or rather, Ben Bishaw was one of the, the, the uh, Freddie Mercury's they got through bef- before Malek got oh. there. And I, I, Malek and Wisher are not going to you know, have come to blows, I'm sure. Um, but that was slightly earmarked for Wisher at one time. That ru- Not going to come to blows. <laughs> Sorry, other other smut is available. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just uh, Mark. You know, I'm, I'm always going to go there. <laughs> no, they won't come. To, they won't come to blows. Bill, you've been a little bit quiet. What do you What do you think about Felix um, rounding out the Craig tenure in this one? <clears throat> it's appropriate. Um, also, he now breaks the tie with David Hedison for most Felix appearances in the Eon series. Um, mm. So that's significant on some level, I suppose. Um, but like I say, I'm, I'm, and in fact, it wasn't until we started recording this podcast, this, this thought that he might end up being the sacrificial lamb in some way might be in play. Again, that's just strictly me wondering out loud. That's not based on anything in particular. And, uh, you know, I'm, he, he, he's a good presence. He was a good presence in the first two Craig films. So. I'm I'm fine with him. Be- <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm fine with him being part of this. It's nice to have him back. It's definitely nice to have him back. Um, I, I definitely say that. It's uh, it, the fact that he was just name checked, Inspector. Um, you know, it would have been it would have been nice to have a, a small cameo for him in that. I'm just I'm just um, glad we didn't have him calling uh, Money Penny a foxy lady. That's all. I, that would have been. <laughs> Uh, they, they've saved that dialogue for Bond Twenty Five. <laughs> yeah. Well, they never they never throw anything away. Yeah, right? exactly. Well, maybe they can get Colt Forty Five as a, another uh, uh, product placement. But it's it's great that he's back. I think he's I think he's got some some real gravitas, and he's a great actor, and he compliments Craig very well. Um, I think he rounds out the cast beautifully, mm. and. Um, I personally am very happy to see him it's back. A, it's a positive, um, even if he ends up being the sacrificial lamb. So, well, I yeah, I mean, Bill, like, what are you what are you basically? I'm on? just wondering how lot. Renee Mathis was like, you know, in the novels, wasn't was was a Bond ally who never got killed. So, I mean, yeah. anything's possible. I just, I, I think that there's there's this great tendency for these little things to kind of, um poke up, poke their noses up and then people, people kind of run with it. And I personally, if he is, he is. And in the same way that Mathis was, and, um, you know, I, I didn't think that that necessarily had to happen. Um, uh, but it, but it, 
I don't, I don't have a problem with it. For, for, from my perspective, uh, it would be it would be nice to just have him in there and not not necessarily throw out this whole um, speculation of him uh, getting. I'm just I'm just wondering out yeah. loud again, given the Mathis thing and Quantum of Solace. There is precedent for it. To, to be fair to Bill, it was to be fair to Bill. It was my, it was me that threw it out. <laughs> yeah, it's all your fault, James. I just, I mean, I just put food in the water, and you guys go after it. Well, uh, look, I mean, if you're going to have a sacrificial lamb out of all of the cast members that we've we put out there, it's got to be Leia Sadu who's who's the most obvious the choice. Biggest, yeah, the most obvious choice, exactly. But, you know, maybe they would go against that and maybe they would go against uh, everything that we've – because because Felix is essentially safe in, in, in our minds, right? Because he's perennial. Um, so, so it would make sense, I suppose, to, to, to throw him in as a sacrificial lamb. But uh, I, all I'm saying is I think it would be a, well, be a shame. I'd, I'd say don't, never say never because in the early drafts, the Spectre Tanner turned mm. out to be – you know, a double agent who committed suicide. Yeah, committed suicide while Bond, while Bond watched. Right. Um, that was, you know, you know I forget which, it, I think that was in the John Logan drafts, but. Yes. Yeah, that good good times. Good times. <laughs> All right, yeah, any, any, any final thoughts, guys, on things that you are, that piqued your interest or led you to questions based on what was announced? Uh, look, okay. Uh, all I'll say is that uh, we've got we've got new cast out there that we don't know any of their roles or what, uh, what their names are or what they do. Um, but I think it's going to be interesting because there are some uh, some some clear roles that are um, you know un, un, undesignated, and I think that's going to it just makes it an interesting piece. I think the casting it mm. looks fantastic. Um, I'm really, I'm really like. There's a lot of negativity about this press conference based on the fact that you know all of all of the things that we've talked about. Um, but I would like mm. to finish on a positive note and actually say, God damn, I'm excited because we've got a really strong cast, um, and even the even the previously kind of unknown or un un un. Uh, unquantifiable people that have, that have been putting out there. They're really good. They're really strong. They're, they're really strong actors. Uh, they look great. I think that it's going to be a cohesive thing. There's not going to be a situation where you kind of go, that they don't fit right. Um, I, I just think, and also talking about locations and all of those kinds of things, mm. I'm excited. I think it's going to be a great, great movie from, from what we've been given. Mm. I'm excited. And that's, well, and, that's and, I'll, and I'll add kind of echoing what Ben said is like, at least they're finally doing it. Um, I think there have been some weird twists along the way, but that's in the past. So let's get on with it and see what they got. And the cast is cast is interesting. Felix is coming back. Rami Malik, you know, is the villain, uh, as, as we all thought. Um Hopefully the script has been enlivened by, you know, the participation of the new writers, you know, redoing the, the Purvis and Wade and you got a new director and it's a new voice and hopefully, you know, it'll work out well. And just, I'm just ready for them to get on with it. Just after all 
the strange twists of the past three years. So yeah. go for it. Right. No, I, I, I agree with that. Yeah, uh, Bill. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been such a long wait to get to this stage. And though, although uh, to a certain extent, the, the event was, was a, a bit of a, uh, a letdown in some respects, the fact that they're actually getting on doing it is, uh, is good news. And so it's, it's just, uh, you know, it, it's, it's all downhill from now uh, in a, in the positive sense of, uh, hmm. uh, they've got their, uh, they're, they're moving, there's some, uh, hmm. velocity be, behind them and, uh, it's, it's going to happen. And hmm. I, I think the, the, the cast looks really interesting. I think the locations sound, sound great. So, uh, if they've got the script uh, into in some kind of order, then I think it has uh, every possibility of being a great Bond film. Yes, I totally agree. That's well said on everyone. I, I've been saying this a lot. It's a bit of a soundbite, but the world very much needs a James Bond right now. But I think actually the world deserves a James Bond movie a little bit more. So let's let's get behind it, fans. Let's take away this sort of this toxicity i i yeah i get that people might be disappointed there's no title but like we've all said this film is happening and it's happening in a very fresh good and i think already a very rich way the cast is a very clever canny yeah it's a real barbara cast that's a real local talent british talent um global talent an eye on the future i don't just mean perhaps bond's future but just getting newer fans in younger elements netflix Rami Malek, Freddie Mercury, uh, her, yeah, her from Blade Runner. We'll have to get her name right eventually. But well, even even, even in the right, even in the writing side, Mark, you know, we've got we've got a fantastic. Uh, even if she, even if she's only uh, polishing, um, I'm I'm very fucking happy yeah. that, that that she's that she's, yeah, she's on board. And uh, and also, uh, lack of a title to me wasn't that big a deal. No. There, there. I mean. While Wilson may have misspoke about specifics, there have indeed been Bond films where they started filming without a title. And, you know, like Skyfall. For, now, that what did have a title, but it's like Skyfall, what's that? Oh, it's it's the house. So it was fine. You know, it, it's... Personally, I don't care about the... T- look, a lot of people really... Look, there are things right. that people really care about for, that, that seem to make no sense to me. Like, they're, they're like can we have a gun barrel at the beginning rather than at the end or not have a gun barrel? I personally no. don't worry about that kind of stuff. I, I worry about like, the things that, that, that concern me ultimately are, are, are narrative. Um, and mm. is this going to be a good movie? Is this going to, are we going to see Bond and properly Bond? Like you can have a, you can have a shit Bond film and put a, a, a you know, a, a, a gun barrel in there and that doesn't make it a good bond film what 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 i think is important is that we've got all of these these ducks in a line they seem to be really good writing um you've got a great director i actually gotta say the the guy is really good from all the things that i've seen that he do uh, um and and the, the writers and, and and everyone involved in the writing of, of this seems to be um really on top of their game Trying to focus on the positives here, I really believe that we've got a very strong possibility of a bomb film that's going to really, you know, it, it exceed our expectations. Well, um, and I really hope that's. Well, the case. and even if it's just a mediocre bomb movie, it's a, 
it's a Bond movie. We haven't had one in four years. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I hope it's just not a fucking other chocolate well, commercial. But yeah, and I'm just like explaining that last remark. I mean, I, I know some of my Bond friends talk about, oh, the man with the golden gun score is a mediocre John Barry. I said, you guys, you're like talking about a mediocre Picasso painting. It's like they, they yeah. all can't be number one. So we'll all take a mediocre film, but the other way of looking at it is how you know bond actors typically don't go out on a bang more of a whimper mm. so you know craig i'm sorry did you not see a view to a kill what's your I'm, I'm actually it's actually a little i i'll defend a view to a kill as you will too yeah, mark right to, yeah to the, to the to the goddamn death that's right that film is great but it would be nice it would be a nice change for um a, mark back me up on it this. would be a nice change for a bond a bond actor to go out in a Globally recognized strong film. That's that all time high. An all time high. On an all time high, which mm-hmm. actually, to be honest with you, um, Spectre wasn't. No. Um, and even though he rode off into the sunset, can I? Can I? I'm sorry to say this, but like this, this was this was the really the thing that really really bugged me when I did the interview with Daniel was that um, I, I actually said to him, and it was apropos of this this cutting your wrists bullshit um i actually said so we've got a story arc here we've got we've got a character arc we're actually finishing on this guy driving away into the sunset is he done and he heard are you done right as as an actor and and he starts to go along the whole oh you know i've said i cut my wrists but i actually wouldn't mind doing another one but but to, to my mind um what spectre was trying to do is tie that character up and try that try and tie that um that whole character arc up um i'm actually pleased to think that they can they can take this character and this arc and and try to finish it in a way that is respectful to all of the things that have gone before it it's in, it's, it's important that you can you can get daniel craig back to create a proper finishing arc to this this character, because it's not, I mean, or his interpretation of this character. I think that's very important because I don't think, I don't think Spectre really was a proper uh, end to that, that arc. And I think that this, this, um, this will be. Well, with that, I think we'll wrap this up because we've overran by twice as much as we normally do. Um, <laughs> and we've got to do another one of these tomorrow. So um, I want to thank everybody for being on here. David, Bill, Ben and Mark, if in that if in that order, <laughs> Bill and Ben, I just <laughs> thanks, thanks, Mark, and and, and, and and Brian's not here this week. Oh, shame so um, I think, by the way, I think it's only like the three of us that get that joke now. But um, <laughs> David, Bill, then Ben, then Mark. Um, how can people how can people find you online and all that stuff? Okay, uh, right. I'm David Lee. I run the James Bond dossier. Uh, website which is uh, thejamesbonddossier.com I'm also author of The Complete Guide to the Drinks of James Bond which you can buy at jamesbonddrinks.com or from Amazon. And I'm Bill Koenig. I run the Spy Command which is hmssweblog.wordpress.com I'm also on Twitter at the Spy Command and uh, if you go to my Twitter feed today you'll see about 10 updates to the Bond 25 timeline uh, I'm really tired. I have not had much sleep this week. Hopefully I'll catch up this weekend. So thanks. 
I'm Mark O'Connell. You can find me at uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I've got a Catching Bullets page on Facebook, and I'm out there. Yes, come find me. Uh, I'm I'm Ben Williams. I'm a regular contributor to uh, mo6hq.com um, and its uh, magazine. Um, I'm also the author of All Your Pain, <laughs> and I. <laughs> hope to uh, to see you on the next uh, edition of this podcast which will be tomorrow and i i, I wish you luck with your plagiarism case against franz oberhauser then <laughs> so thanks for sticking with us for this extra long i was picking apart a, a 15 minute live stream that took an hour and 45 to talk about that's how these things go um my name's been james page from mi6-hq.com uh we also run the magazine mi6 confidential and if you haven't done your pre-orders they are shipping now issues 49 and 50 the first two issues of the year so you can pick that up at mi6confidential.com and we will see you all next time thanks very much guys no worries thank you thank you Need to